Oh, let's worship the Lord together. He is in our house tonight. Let's praise his name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Thank you so much. When your boss lady says things like that about you, it's probably time to ask for a raise. Of course, I notice it wasn't Dr. Calthorpe up here. So, seriously, though, thank you. I'm very humbled. And thank you for editing those responses also and not using all of them. That 16 page research paper still haunts me. I'm thankful for this conference. Wow. I'm not sure I've been in one more powerful more filled with the presence of God. I'm so, so thrilled, particularly with our student preachers, Brother McQuay, Sister Grace, Brother Sal, what fabulous jobs they did preaching the Word of God. Amen. Uh, yes, yes. I'm thankful for every preacher. You, you will never hear better preaching than what we've already heard in this conference. Nowhere. Nowhere. Now, I will tell you, since this is a learning atmosphere, if you're ever invited to preach at a conference, try to preach early in the conference. Lobby hard to be the first speaker. When you come at my place, things happen. And they're both right there. Brother Jackson used my text this morning. Brother Sal just preached my sermon. That's kind of how things can happen at conferences. But I've always told preachers when things like that happens, you just preach what you got. And that's what I'm going to do. My text is from Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness. He called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Look at verse 6. And God said. Look at verse 9. And God said. And verse 11. And God said. Verse 14. And God said. Verse 20. And God said. Verse 24. And God said. Verse 26. And God said. And verse 29. And God said. And tonight, for a little while, I want to preach, if God 
speaks. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in this wonderful conference. Thank you for our leadership, Lord, with a vision for what we're all trying to accomplish here. Thank you for our school. Thank you for our college, our graduate school, every professor, every, every leader, everything that you accomplish and do. Most of all, thank you for these young men and women that have heeded your call and have begun to prepare their lives for a life of service and commitment. Use them in this darkening hour in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Someone has pointed out that it is no accident that the subject of the first sentence of the entire Bible is God. He is, of course, the true subject of every book and every chapter. The great stories that we read in the Bible are not about the human protagonists. Regardless of whether it's Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, or David, they're, they're, it, it's not about them. It's about God. We would know none of those names without him having called them, blessed them, and used them to propel the human family closer to himself. The truth is the story of redemption is not about us either. It too is about him. It only began when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It reveals not us, but him. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. It's all about him. And this is certainly no more true and no more revealing than the story of creation. This too is the story of God. The word God, Elohim in this case, appears 34 times in the 34 verses of the creation account. I want you to know, this is not just the story of the beginning of the universe. That would be small potatoes. This universe so vast to us is no more than a tiny blip in the march of eternity. You'll pass it and never even notice it. Just a bump in the road. No, this story is so much bigger than the account of creation. This is God revealing himself for all time. The opening expression itself in the beginning is more than a designation of a point in time because the beginning is pregnant with the end and the whole timeline is in view to the one who is the first and the last, the one who is the alpha and the omega, and the one who is himself not just in the beginning, and not just at the ending, but he 
beginning and the ending. So if you want to see how God works today, turn your eyes toward the God of creation. And if you want to see the God of tomorrow and all the tomorrows, turn your eyes to him whose spirit moved upon the waters. So what do we see of God in the 34 verses of Moses' song of creation? Now, I have to tell you, I can't reveal everything about God in one sermon. If the whole world is not big enough to contain all the books that ought to be written about him, it's folly to, it, to think we could encompass him in a lifetime of preaching. But let's talk about a couple of the aspects of this God of creation, the God for all time. First of all, he is a present God. The God of the beginning is not a God who is distant and detached. He is not ensconced in some unreachable throne room on high being serenaded by seraphim. Let Plato keep the God that is too lofty and good to come into his own creation. Our God is a God who is down in the darkness. He is the God who skims across the surface of the tempestuous sea. Our God is the God that when we could not come to him, he came to us. He is the present God. In the chaos of sin, in the darkness of despair, we could not lift our hands high enough to touch his. So he reached down to us. Brother Jackson, that was a powerful message today. Sermons are born in the darkness. Sermons are formed in the chaos. But it's because that's where you find God. That's what he specializes in. When there's no hope, he's in his element. When there's no way out, he makes the way. When we have to say, I don't know what to do next, uh, he whispers in our ears, uh, I am with you always. I will never leave thee, uh, nor forsake thee. I will go with thee. But he is not just the God who is present. He is the God who acts. He is not an observer. He's not a spectator. He moves and works in his creation. He steps into the formless void. And he does something about it. In these 34 verses... Of Moses' creation song. We read verb after verb of what God does in the creation. He created. He moved. He saw. He divided. He called. He made. He set. 
he blessed, he ended, he rested, and he sanctified. Just 34 verses. That's an active God. But more than anything else, God said. After he moved upon the face of the waters, that is, after he arrived, he said. And when God said, things began to happen. There was nothing but God said. And everything that is became. God said, let there be light. He didn't fashion the sun. No, no, not at this time. He didn't create its source. He simply said, let there be. And there was. When God speaks, things happen. Dry land, atmosphere, sun and moon, animals and fish, birds and beasts. And he said, let us make man in our own image. All the creative power of God, all the restoring power of God, all the redeeming power of God rests in his word. When God speaks, demons flee. When God speaks, the devil hunkers down. When God speaks, hell locks the doors and installs a security system. Because when God speaks, everything becomes possible. When God speaks, there is life and there is hope. When God speaks, giants fall and walls come down and the sun stands still when God speaks the widow's dead son sits up the ruler's dead daughter opens her eyes when God speaks Lazarus walks out of the grave because his power When God speaks, the seas part, the skies clear. Suddenly a door opens where a moment ago there was no door. When God speaks, the lion's mouths are shut. The furnace fire can no longer burn. And the enemy is drowned in the sea. When God speaks, anything is possible. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Let's praise Him. Speak here, O Lord. Jesus! Jesus. This is why we must dedicate our ministries, we must focus our energies. We must give our very lives to one goal. Listen to me. We must create every time we're in the pulpit, every time we're on the platform, everywhere we go, everyone we meet, 
we must create an atmosphere when we preach, when we teach, when we witness, when we worship, we must create an atmosphere where God speaks. Now, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend anybody here, but I'm going to tell you something. We have no words, you and I, that can possibly matter in eternity. But God does. Our world, our words cannot possibly contain creative power, unleash healing for the sick, or redeem one broken soul. But God's word can. We will toil if we try this in our strength all night and catch nothing. But if God speaks, there's a boatload of fish just on the other side. When God calls you to plant your church, to take your assistant's job, to go into some place where you're reaching for the hopeless and helpless, your job is simple. Let God speak. Because if God speaks, they will be saved. If God speaks, that church will grow. If God speaks, revival. Brother McClintock, I didn't even... Mention you getting on my sermon. Brother McClintock did a beautiful job telling us about little Samuel and the call of God upon his life. Thankful he left out one little part that I get to work on here tonight. Samuel was just a kid. He could, of course, been a teenager. We're not sure of his age, but we know this. One night, after trimming the lamps and checking the doors, Samuel's lying in his bed when he hears a voice. Samuel! Samuel. <laughs> he jumps up out of bed. He runs down the hallway. He pounds on Eli's door. He swings it open and says, Yes, sir, here I am. What do you need? And Eli said, What are you talking about? He said, Well, you called me. He said, No, I didn't call. This happened three times before Eli finally caught on. He's old. Don't hold it against him. And after the third time, he says, son, I tell you, I know what you need to do. And he told Samuel what to do. If you hear the voice again, here's what you say. So Samuel goes back. And he lays down. I'm sure sleep is a long way away. And finally he hears it again. Samuel. Samuel. And this time following the leading of his spiritual mentor. He jumps up and says. Speak Lord. And this is when God said. I'm not going to let your words fall to the ground. 
This is when it became true that all Israel knew that Samuel was a prophet of God. This is when one of the Bible's towering ministries began. He would anoint two kings. He would even come back from the dead to confront one of them. Why? Because early on, he made up his mind, I'm about God speaking. I'm about God doing the talking. I'm about God. If you'll make up your mind right now, it's not by might nor yet by power. It's not by eloquence. It's not by knowing. It's not by your diploma hanging on the wall. It is by my spirit, saith the Lord. You'll not do what God called you to do until you let him go in your life. And you become an instrument of his voice. It's just what we have to say. It's not going to go very far. It's not going to do very much. Here's one nobody got a hold of so far. It was left for me. Ezekiel's caught up in the spirit. (laughs) He's standing at the mouth of a valley. It's, It's filled with bones not just dead bones dry bones obviously scattered bones I've preached there if it wasn't for people here thinking I was talking about this church I could say I've even pastored there on occasion. And you're going to be there too. Where you preach and nobody notices. <laughs> yeah, we've been there. Yeah, yeah. So the Lord asks him a question. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Now, I always thought Ezekiel was kind of hedging his bets. Don't really know what's going on. So he says, well, only God knows. Thou knowest. But I've thought of it, and I've come to the conclusion that that's not what's going on here. What he's really doing is saying, if they do, you'll have to do it. Because I don't have the words. I'm your prophet, But I can't make these bones live. So you tell me. How's this going to work? And God said, you prophesy to them. Old Testament equivalent of preach. But you don't preach what you want to preach. So Ezekiel stands up at the head of that valley and he looks out over those dry and scattered and and dead bones and, and he says, hear the word of the Lord. 
For God says, I'm gonna raise you up. I'm gonna put sinew on you. I'm gonna put flesh on you. I didn't say it, God said it. God's gonna send revival. God's gonna reach our cities. God's gonna give us growth. God's gonna pull them out of the bars and pull them out of the gutters and pull them out of their helplessness and their hopelessness. I'm glad to tell you that, 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 that Ezekiel didn't start trying to organize it. I don't misunderstand me. We need organization. But, but he didn't get up and make an announcement and say, okay, you tibias, get with your fibias. Yeah, 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 your original fibulas. Yes, yes, it matters whether you're a lefty or a righty. So let's kind of get stuff together now. No. No. Okay, mandibles, hook onto the skull. Vertebrae, line up. No, 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 not bottom to the top, top to the bottom. He didn't try that. You're talking about frustrated. Nearly as frustrated as a preacher trying to do it himself. <laughs> Nearly as helpless as a preacher trying to do it in his own strength and with his own intellect and with her own skill and with her own talent. Let me tell you something. We can't bring the broken and shattered and dead dry bones of this world together in ourselves. And then, while they're all laying there, and they're perfect, they, they have, they're all together, they've got sinew and flesh and skin, and God says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, you're still going to have to do it. And God says, prophesy to the wind. And Ezekiel says, thus saith the Lord, come on into this valley. Flow across these bodies. Fill them with breath. No, he didn't get out the latest handbook for artificial resuscitation and try to blow breath into their nostrils. He said, God's got this. God can take care of this. God speaks. Stand with me. So how? How? How can we be sure that when we preach, it's not us, but God speaks? If you've preached much at all, you've had this happen. You get through preaching and someone comes up and says, you were preaching right to me. It's exactly what I needed. And then they tell you what you preached and you're going, I'm glad it blessed you. And you're thinking... When did I say that? I've had it happen two and three times in one night. I evidently preached three separate points that I have no memory of. But that's not really what was going on. While I'm doing my thing, 
God's doing his thing. And while they're hearing my poor pitiful attempt, God is going into where they live and getting down into their hearts. And God is whispering in their ears, we've got to let God speak and not drown him out with our And the only way I know how to do that, Brother Sal, is Hebrews 1.1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir, all things by whom also he made the world. If you want God to speak when you preach, preach Jesus. When you want to scold and rebuke and reprove, remember God speaks when you preach about his unfailing grace, his unending mercy. His care that never, ever leaves. Corinth was a church with a lot of problems. So many problems that Paul brought out the big guns. He said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, Declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I made up my mind. I hope someone will make up their mind. In this conference. In this service right now. He said I determined. Not to know anything among you. But Jesus Christ. And him crucified. I decided that the only thing I could say. The only hope. Any of us had would only come if God speaks. And God speaks through His flesh, through His death, through His burial, and through His resurrection. Let God speak. He can do more in five minutes than you can do in your entire life if you'll just let God speak. Let's talk to him right now, would you? Let's praise his name. Kidama Shianda Hayat.